You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and I'm here with my two compadres, Dan and Jason. Hey, How's hey, going? hey. Alright, um, we've got a pretty good show for you today. Uh, a lot of us have been stuck inside with our families, which is a good thing, um, just to be with all that family time. Uh, and to kind of stave off a little bit of the cabin fever, we um, have been engaging in a lot of games with the family and, and doing things together. So um, wanted to touch on that today. Today's topic is family favorite games, or favorite family games actually is what we were calling it. But uh, let's kick it off with Geek Week. Dan, what do you got for us? Well, besides the uh, season finale of Star Trek Picard, which I really enjoyed, um, fully recommend it for our listeners because, hey, it's Trek and it's got uh, everybody back almost except for two or three characters. I haven't seen it yet. Not one episode. Not one episode. Well, I mean, it'll be there for a while if you uh, in, you can get a free month of CBS All Access instead of a free week, which is plenty of time to binge a ten episode show. I heard that they're streaming free. all the episodes of Picard for free. Period. Uh, maybe I I don't know. I have a paid account, so I I, I wouldn't know. But um, uh, I it was great. It was great, and um, it got me thinking about playing Star Trek RPGs again. And then I keep thinking I have plenty of RPGs on the shelf. Don't buy another one. <laughs> uh, I also played uh, in an online game of uh, Android Netrunner using the Genesis system. We did that uh, last weekend, and it was really great. You know, four or five hours on Zoom was pretty great. Um, when you have somebody paying for a Zoom account, it's pretty good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, and it really helps to have an online dice roller. Uh, we used the same online dice roller app that we had used for our group uh, a couple weeks back that I had reported out on, and it worked great. Um, so the, that's the more... especially helpful for like the Genesis with the narrative dice. Yeah, when you're all looking at the same thing at the same time, it's very mm-hmm. very helpful uh, because it's symbol based, not number based. Um, it's just great. Uh, but anything will work. Whatever whatever floats your boat. Um, I I highly recommend finding some kind of dice roller for your RPG where everybody's looking in the same window at the dice. I thought I thought that was a, a really great added benefit. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that was my Geek Week. Jason, what you got for us? Uh, well, I dove back into a game with um, some old friends on Xbox Live. Uh, Elite Dangerous booted that back up. Oh, which nice. Which is, uh, if anyone's not familiar with it it's a space simulation kind of sometimes they call it truckers truckers in space because it's a lot of hauling stuff from from space station to space station but it's it's almost it's a flight simulator in space um but it also has combat mechanics um and uh other things and mining and all those things so it's been a night with some buddies um hunting pirates uh in a in a Kalaga system and um it was a lot of fun uh, I have a years ago. My wife got me. She saw that I was looking at a T Hotus, uh, which is like a flight controller stick, a flight stick, uh, on like Amazon and eBay and stuff. And I never got it. And then one day for my birthday, all of a sudden, boom! It's my main gift. She bought it for me. I was like, "That's an awesome wife." She was watching this gaming thing. Anyways, you can play. She probably Elite. she probably turned on the computer and on her Facebook it was all the ads for that <laughs> right, controller. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> just figured something out there. Are you still interested? Oh, yeah, exactly. Sign into yes. her yep. webpage and just start looking up all the stuff you're interested in, and it'll just populate her, her ads with it. Yeah, man. So you can play on the Xbox, you can play Elite Dangerous with this flight controller. It's a two-piece thing, right? So you got a stick in your right hand, you got a thruster in your left. There's like a million buttons on the thing, and you can map them all sorts of things. It's a really fun, immersive experience. So I was able to jump in with some buddies and, and kind of pull that game. In June of this year, Fleet Carriers get released, which yeah. are like almost like player-owned you know, portable space stations with landing pads and services for the ship. Oh so I'm, I'm excited for that, but I think I'm never going to have enough money for them. I don't know. What? You got like a, a like what 1.5 billion right now. I'm sitting on two billion, but I okay. the, the guess is that they're going to be somewhere under 20 billion. So I Oof. still think I'm an I still think I'm an, an order of magnitude. Shy. What would be What would be kind of cool is if uh, if they did some like revenue sharing that you could pull your money. You know. Yeah. That's one thing about this game is it's it's very much uh, focused on your own economy, developing your own economy. Oh, well, to be fair, you know, the economy is definitely driven by the players and what they're moving between systems and what they're mining and what they're selling and all that. But um, there's no way to directly just give another player money, which is different than like EVE Online, where you right. can just, you know, transfer ISK into another player's account. And here... The only way to really share money is to do things together. You can do what they call multi-wing missions, where you go, yeah. and then when you do the multi-wing mission, then the then the money from that mission is split, be, not split, it's doubled. So if a mission is two million and you both do it, it's not that you get one, he gets one. You we both get, get two. two million, yeah, yeah. which is kind and of a fun mechanic. Even if there's three, even if there's three, you yep. each get two million. So it's so. kind of it kind of means that there's a little bit of an inflation in the economy. But the other thing is Frontier Games, who runs this system this game they are very active in monitoring mm-hmm. the economy inserting events into the lore and the world to kind of control the system so it doesn't kind of get blown out of proportion yeah it's pretty cool i i do think though that with the advent of fleets and basically making this kind of little space station it would be kind of cool because you can form like a, a it's not called a club what's it called uh, it's a called guild? a faction a faction so you can form your own faction and um, it would be nice if you could pool some of those resources into your faction so that you could have a faction fleet carrier and you're all profiting from it or, you know. I think that that's where, in a lot of these games, emergent gameplay comes out, right? It's, it's not coded necessarily into the game by the developers, but the right. players find ways to emerge. Um, you know, it, the, the ability to come together and benefit off of each other's resources uh, it, it just kind of falls out of the way that players find on how to build the game and That's play the true. game. Yeah. yeah we'll see. Point. It'll be interesting to see what happens. It's not till June, so it's a little ways off. And I the will say that awesome. they... I'm totally yeah. on their website right now. I'm going, oh, I wish I had a platform I could play that on. <laughs> you, oh, that's right. You don't. I would a... get really addicted to this really fast after oh, I yes, have to monitor my, addicting. my addictive personality. Yep. This, um, this game, is it's a blast. Um and uh, it's come a long way since it was first released, too, though. Like, they, you know, they put down planetary vehicles. That you could, like, go land and mine stuff on surfaces. and Drive around in little ATVs on the vehicle surfaces. Yeah, and do, like, sabotage missions and other things, you know. So there's, there's a lot of stuff. They didn't have combat initially, from what I understand. Um, that came, or maybe they did. Yeah, they've always had combat, but okay. it's not, they, they released, um, 
they've enhanced it for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. It sounds so, like what Mass Effect 1 used to feel like, where you're just kind of out there. It kind of does. Yeah, yeah. You remember you get on the Mass Effect 1 and that thing, and you just, like, roll all over the planet? Um, there's definitely feels like that on some of those planets that I've been on. Yeah, well, and, the other uh, thing that's... Sorry, yeah, just one more thing. The other thing that's really cool about this game is the guy... Um, the guy who developed the original, which was a PC game in ni- de- uh, released in 1984 on the Commodore 64. Wow. And <laughs> I played it. on. The, I had a Commodore 128, and I played it. And wow. it was a difficult game, but it was a space simulation game. He is still involved today in this version of the game. That is awesome. You know, 20-some-odd, uh, wow. almost 30 years later, right? Well, good for him. That's great. Now, if yeah. you have this on the PC and not the Xbox, you can actually do virtual reality. And it's yep. pretty immersive because you are literally looking in your cockpit. And you can look up. You can look down, access your controls from there. Um, I know a yep. lot of people on the PC that use the virtual reality, and they swear by it. They say it's one of the best games in virtual reality. Now, yeah. I, beg to, I beg to differ. There's no way the Commodore 64 would ever do virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, when you puke, you can feel it hit your lap when you're in the VR <laughs> playing with dangerous. That would be Big the augmented. The, yeah, that's the augmented reality of it, right? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of vomit in space. Yeah. <laughs> in space, no one can hear you blarf. <laughs> there you go. Uh, awesome. All right. It sounds like a pretty good geek week for you, Jason. It's fun. Uh, let's see. For my part, I've got kind of a twofold thing. Um, the first one is that I finished completely Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Ah, so, so no more, uh, no more uh, Greek on uh, Duolingo? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of dropped that a little bit ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was just hard to keep up every day, and uh, uh, especially especially once I got busy with work and stuff like that. Yeah, but, and uh, Duolingo <laughs> likes to put on, the app likes to give you this really strong guilt trip. Oh, hey, haven't seen you. You're about to lose that streak. You lost the streak. You lost oh. the streak. Yeah. <laughs> I, went, I lost my streak at like 63 days, and I'm like, I don't know if I have the will to start over. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All it takes is not getting up for work one day. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't let the game social engineer you, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway, uh, so I finished Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, I told the listeners uh, two weeks ago, and I think last week as well, that my wife um, uh, butt-approved uh, Jedi Fallen Order, so I accidentally <laughs> bought that. <laughs> and so um, I started picking up that up the uh, last couple of days, and it's been a great game. Um, it has a strong feel of Tomb Raider. Like, if you played Tomb Raider, like yeah. Jedi Fallen Order feels mm-hmm. a lot like it in terms of, like, you know jumping puzzles and you know game puzzles that you have to kind of explore and then it throws in of course like some pretty smooth uh lightsaber and force power combat so you know that's always pretty good um i've enjoyed it so far um coming from assassin's creed odyssey where you have like 80 different dialogue options whenever you're having a conversation with someone it's kind of refreshing to be honest with you that the dialogue is just kind of canned wrote like, you just get through the cutscene and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on my mission again. That, you know, you don't have to, like, parse through and figure out what everybody's trying to say, what everybody's yeah. thinking, how, you know, how how you should respond to make sure that they don't just shut down the conversation, you know. Um, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of done with that right now. So, 
um, it's it's refreshing. Um, and then the other side of my geek week has been um, very prepper focused. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's like the way to best describe it, but I've been getting into. I've watched probably about a billion different reviews on a six-hour P P three twenty X compact nine millimeter pistol that I'm going to be buying. I've watched oh, a billion mm. different things on a um, on a uh, ham radio usage and what kind of little uh, handheld radios are good, and then also what kind of larger ham radios I might want to get. And then also, like, what kind of, uh, you know, just general preparedness stuff. Because I just, I don't know, I'm feeling like uh, we might be, you know, some, some poop might be hitting the fan. So, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen. But You're in I've, panic. You heard it here first, people. You I, heard see, it that's, here that's first. the thing, though. I, I talked to my wife today about this. I'm not panicking. I'm preparing. I'm prepping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hope for the best. You're going to have a bunker next. You're going to be digging a bunker in the backyard. Listen, I just, I won't say that I haven't oh, thought so about that. you already started digging. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyway, there's there's just a uh, it actually all of this prepping stuff sort of started when I built my garden a couple of weeks ago, and I started thinking about more about like self-sufficient, you know, type type living and and then, of course, in the background of the coronavirus, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's taking off. And it's, my wife it's... accused me of being lonely because she's out of town right now. She accused me of being lonely and bored. And I, said, and I said, I'm lonely, I'm buying a gun. There's a problem That's there. exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> She's gonna come back and hey honey, I'm home. Where's honey? She goes in the backyard, there's this giant hole in the backyard. And you're in the middle of the hole, just covered in covered mud. Covered in dirt. Yep. With one shovel, with two shovels. You had to break one on the way down. She, yeah, she's gonna be like, What are you doing? And you're like, Honey, be quiet, be quiet, they could be listening. Get down here. Put Grab on a shovel, but do it over there for you. Shovel. Put the tinfoil hat on. Listen. And if you listen, have a $10 bill, get it out of your wallet. They're tracking you. Listen, right now, as we speak, I have 200 rounds for my 308 rifle and 250 rounds for my 12-gauge shotgun up on my counter. It just got mailed to me. So don't you worry. So don't I got a new case me. for my phone this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. Listen. I told you, I, it's a different kind of geek week for me. Okay? Sure was. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how to come back from this right yeah. now. <laughs> What's the next on the agenda? Listen, listen, you guys, you you know, you're laughing now, I and know. it's fine. I'll, you guys have your chuckles. You. you guys have your chuckles. All right. Who knows what will come. All right, well, let's <laughs> talk about the news. Let's talk yeah, about Yeah, let's get news. to news. Okay. So last week, I gave PaizoCon a whole bunch of crap for not canceling their May uh, 24 to May 27 PaizoCon, but they officially did cancel, so I feel bad for giving them a truckload of crap for <laughs> doing a convention in Washington State. <laughs> <laughs> in Seattle, yeah. Oh, I, can't, I can't make yeah. it up. I can't make that yeah. up. Uh, Catalyst Game Labs, they've discounted all their PDFs for Shadowrun and Battletech game lines by 20%, um, and there's an additional 20% off for their other products in their uh, game store, so go check that out if you're a big fan of Shadowrun or Battletech or any of the other uh, Catalyst Game Labs um, 
products, you may find a, a great time. It's a great time to be a gamer if you're not getting together in the same room with your buddies. Hey, real uh, quick question. The Catalyst Game Labs, were they the ones that actually developed Shadowrun, or is this a mod, like a module for Shadowrun? No, I think it's they. Uh, I think I think it's theirs, right? Yeah, okay. no, it, they, it's theirs now. It wasn't theirs originally, but it they, used to be uh, Fasa. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I think they own the license now. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. So. And I've uh, never heard of BattleTech. I'll have to do some research on that one. Uh, you're you're joking, right? No, I'm dead serious. We should we should have a sidebar about BattleTech and about. You got to stop watching videos about guns and do yes. more. Yes, BattleTech <laughs> was the ultimate gateway miniature combat battle game back in the '80s and '90s. Oh, really? Okay. So if you played miniature tabletop com, com combat like a 30k, 40k, you started with BattleTech. Interesting. You know, did they have like a video game of that come out? Yes, it it has I think I played into that. lots of different video games over yeah. the years. When they when and it's like the, Mech Warriors, right? Mech Warriors that all came from there. When they first created Battle Pods, you know those video games you get inside of the, one of the first types of games they put into those pods was was a BattleTech variant. So interesting. Um, yeah, so it's it's all great stuff. Um, you know, both Shadowrun and BattleTech have you know um warm fuzzies in my game heart so uh, anybody who goes and puts some money down for catalyst is 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 doing good in my book uh, you know what's funny is i think i have a shoebox full of battletech minis up in my closet really yeah yeah i'm sure they're they've got some awesome use somewhere for some game did you paint them no mm -mm. yeah no they were given to me by uh some friends uh who played them a lot and then uh, moved on to something else? Moved on to something else. So you yeah. got you got the minis. You could adapt those to lots of different things. They're great. Yeah. They're great. Next item of news: the Any Awards are still on schedule, despite COVID nineteen. So um, the folks that do the Any Awards in conjunction with Gen Con are still planning on going through all the steps for submissions for the Ennies, and there should be online voting again. Um, so what happens is different publishers submit their work, and then there's a panel that figures out the finalists, and then there's an online vote to see who wins. Um, so the, that is still, the Ennie Awards are still scheduled for July 21st at Gen Con in Indianapolis. So all of us who have bought Gen Con tickets are all desperately crossing our fingers to hope mm -hmm. that we don't have a global pandemic um but as the days wear on the the, <laughs> the, yeah. the optimism wears thin let's just Certainly say does. that but um i was talking to my brother who's in our gaming group from time to time and he's in our gen con group regularly i was like well you know I, every time I go to a con, I get gamer crud. I mean, I, you get you get like a, this low grade cold just from going to a con. <laughs> yeah. Oh, except for a catacon, that was there's plenty of social distancing there. They had lots of room. I liked it. It was good. That was a good con. But other than that, you get a gamer crud. And I was thinking, with all these convention cancellations, there's going to be a there's going to be a good number of conventions that are going to have to go bankrupt. Um, yeah, if, yeah, I'm worried if, about it. Um, there'll be there'll be a number of the smaller cons that just won't won't be able to recover, they won't recover from. Yeah. Uh, they'll have to fire ch file chapter eleven if their venues still stick them with the bill. So um, this the COVID nineteen could have a very real long term 
course correction or course change of course to the gaming industry just based on the convention scene alone and the scene was booming everybody was starting throwing their own new cons left and right and mm-hmm. um there there could be a dampening to that um uh, so you I, know what uh, we might end up seeing is um, a rise of the Kickstarter convention. You know, I know some people yeah. have done that in the past where, you know, like you sell essentially your tickets on Kickstarter. And then if you can raise enough money, then you book the venue. You know you what I mean? Yeah. That type of thing. And I, I think that we may end up like, so some of those little conventions may end up going bankrupt and stuff like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they rise like a phoenix with the Kickstarter convention model. They could. I'll give a shout out to uh, Gamer Nation Con in Plano, Texas. I was involved with one of their podcasts many years ago, um, and they um, they were on their seventh convention. They they just I think they postponed it. They haven't straight up canceled it. And they've uh, with the folks that backed it. And this is the first year they didn't kickstart it because they had enough momentum from the previous years. Mm, that they did. Oh, they, did they, they did. Kickstart it, but they they still were able to use some of the um, celebrities or some of the guests that were coming to do um, online chats of the different panels that they would have done on the con. And the con still may take place in September, if I'm not mistaken. But Gamer Nation Con, if you're interested in that, go check them out. If you're in uh, the Dallas Fort Worth region, it's they're they're good folks that get together every year. They always the problem is, is they always get together around my wife's birthday. The club, they always so I cannot go to a convention next to my wife's birthday. That is a great way yeah, to. Yeah, that's rough. To, um, you to, could to, take her with you. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, honey! I've got a birthday treat for you. We're going to a gamer convention. We're going to one of the small. We're going to a small game convention in Plano, Texas. Just what you wanted to do, <laughs> sweetie. How did you know? All right, so a couple other things getting out of the COVID-19 news. Um, Modifius, um, who's been very prolific lately, they've announced release of the Dishonored role-playing game based on the Stealth Assassin video game by Arcane Studios. It's a 308-page book. Wow, that's a big book. It's based on Modifius' 2D20 system, which is really picking up a lot of steam. And um, you can get the PDF for twenty bucks, and you can wait for the hard copy for forty bucks. That's a pretty uh, easy barrier to entry, right there. Yeah. Have you guys? Are you guys? Uh, uh, I, I know you play more video games than I do because um, for for I just don't. What, what's your What's your take on Dishonored as the as the IP, not the gameplay? Uh. Um, um so so my take is i've only played it a little bit um and i still have them on my xbox ready to go both dishonor one and dishonor two um ready to play but i just it's a stealth it's primarily a stealth game and that's it's that's a kind of game that's a little hard for me to get totally get into where it's like 100 percent stealth almost all the time so, um, but in terms of the story and kind of the background, I think it's really interesting. Um, I just, I, I just haven't played a lot of the game, but I think that it would be, a, it's a great setting for the game. I think absolutely. I, think I have the it, same opinion. I, I really enjoyed the setting. Um, I have it on PC, the first one, and it was the same. I, I played it a lot. I got pretty deep into it, but I just didn't. 
I was kind of I got to the point where I was forcing myself to play because I wanted more action. If you really like uh, Thief, if you remember the Thief games, yeah. mm-hmm. this has a definite Thief feel to it. And that there was a time and place in my life where I really enjoyed those like stealth all the time games, like Splinter Cell, Metal Gear yeah. Solid, all those. Yeah, we Splinter Cell away. was a big favorite of mine, but uh, yeah. the whole the whole uh, uh, series. But uh, I just I, it's just not my bag anymore. Yeah, I like to run out in the middle with a machine gun. Right. <laughs> this would yeah, not be the game for you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, can I just get a Gatling gun and solve this problem? No, you're dead. Yeah. Okay, all right. You should play Doom. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. A good game. A really good game. <laughs> uh, Wizards of the Coast uh, released a new Unearth Arcana for spells and magic tattoos. So they've got some uh, associated Fey Elemental and Spirit Stat blocks. And there's an acid stream spell for first level if you want to shoot acid. And there's otherworldly, transforming you and giving you some abilities of a lower planes or upper planes being. And spirit shroud, where you surround yourself with the spirits who do extra damage when you attack. And and slow creatures you choose within 10 feet of you. And, And if you need a cool tattoo, the tattoos are treated as wondrous items require attunement with several uh, effects from AC buffs to new movement powers to grant you uh, use of spell and more. So the problem with this is that if you had a DM like Jason who doesn't let you use Unearth Arcana <laughs> Wait, was it was it Jason or, or Sean? It, no, it was me, but it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> legit yet. Right, so published. I'm sorry, I'm beefing my It wasn't my published DM. at the time. It was considered. It was considered still beta testing when we started. I know. I'm. I'm just messing with you. Dude. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm just throwing you under the bus for. Gotcha. L- listen, for the record, this is a pattern of behavior with Jason. I literally got called out on rules as written for an <laughs> online writing game that we're doing. A writing game. That oh, we're I have to right understand now. the bounds so I don't break them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because like, I will break them. I'm like, dude, this just came from Wizards of the Coast. I printed it off their website. He's like, no, you can't use that. It is, like, it's oh. something I struggle with. I struggle oh, with rules as written. It hurt. Time. It I really do. hurt. And to your credit, the stuff that I wanted to use didn't make it into the... Oh, it didn't. Uh, the, 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 the What's its guide to everything? Xanatar's yeah. guide to everything. So you made the right call. I'll just, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you the props for that. But uh, that, 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 uh, that, it's really good to shoot down your players when they get excited about new content. I just want to tell you. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. Just joking. Um, Chaosium announced uh, the release for a system reference document for their basic role-playing system under the open gaming license. So I think this is great. Every time um, one of these game publishers creates an open gaming license, I think um, you know their their uh, titles have been Call of Thulu and RuneQuest and SuperWorld, and they have another game that's King Arthur, you know, based. Um, they don't want you to write in those. They don't want you, yeah. according to the for this one. They don't want you messing around in those IPs, but it's open for you to ingest, you know, to in, to do your own IP or if you have generic content you think would be mm-hmm. great for those systems. Interesting. I think anytime you see an open gaming license, I think it's an opportunity um, to to put your stuff out there into the world and to see who picks it up and, and who takes it. And um, it's, a, it's a good thing. And that's the news for this week. I know we usually publish like three weeks after we do the news, so it's old news. Not three weeks. We're about a week. We're about a week behind. 
I'm not. I'm just. I'm just throwing <laughs> just. In the fact, I. Now. In fact, I just before we started this episode posted our Star Wars episode. So. Oh, good. Yeah. So. So we're on track. Okay. I'm just giving you crap now too because I was throwing Jason under the bus. All right. That's the news. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Dan uh, does a lot of research for us, which we love because sometimes we are crazy busy with other things and. Um, he's got his sources that, uh, that help us out. So thank you very much, Dan, for, for the news that we can use. Um, it's always spurs some interesting conversations. So, um, all right. So our main topic of the day is, uh, family friendly. Oh, dang it. I did this wrong. Family favorite games. What games we like to play with our families. Um, and we'll kind of, as, as we explain some of our favorite games, we'll explain to you why, like the makeup of our family, which is kind of influencing, and I know for me personally, the games that I've chosen, um, they're not my favorite games. Mm-hmm. However, they're my favorite games to play with my family because of the makeup of my family and what they're into right now, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. Ooh, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. So, um, we have, like, two or three go-tos that we play as a family when we break out board games. And just to preface it a little bit, um, if it's like a Sunday afternoon and mom needs a nap, the three kids and I will go get on Minecraft usually or something where we're creating a world together or something. Like we don't usually pull out a board game unless like the whole family is kind of ready to play a board game. So um, that's been changing a little bit now that the kids are getting older and they can understand a little bit more complex rules and strategies. So we have been playing a little bit more board games, but um, the one that we got, we got a game for Christmas. It's not a new game. In fact, many of our listeners probably have played it already. It's uh, Ticket to Ride. Um, Ticket to Ride is a game where you have to try to build a train empire, essentially. Um, there's a map of the United States and there's different routes, you know, between like Salt Lake and Denver, Salt Lake and Las Vegas, Salt Lake and, uh, you know, uh, Seattle and, and that type of thing. And um, there's a certain amount of spaces that you have to put your train cars down. And each person has a different color. And, you know, you have to collect cards and kind of build your hand deck to be able to put the trains down. It's um, what I do like about it um, is that the mechanics are simple. Like, it's there's not a lot of difficult rules to it. Listen, I'm playing, uh, you know, my cards, and uh, there's I have three pink card, three pink train cards, and there's a route that has three pink spaces. I can go lay that down and put my trains on that space. Super easy mechanics, right? Um, but there is some strategy with some of the cards. Like there's sort of these gambles that you can get, in a sense where it's like if you draw a card you'll get a bonus victory points if you can make that route. So, like, one of the big routes was, like, from Montreal to Louisiana, like uh, New Orleans, right? And if you could get a train route continuous from point A to point B, then you would get extra victory points. Now, if you didn't get them, then that those victory points would be taken out of your total at the end. So there's a little bit of a gamble there. So, um, yeah, what I do like about it is it's super easy mechanics. Uh, it's easy to play. Uh, my, my, uh, oh, and, and there's a little bit of strategy to it on figuring out like, okay, what's the best way I can do this. And I think it's enough strategy that it engages almost all of my family. And, and to, for the record, I have a 13 year old, I have a uh, 11 year old, no, sorry, 10 year old, 
and I have a seven-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, I had to think about You're that. You're not alone. 13, not alone. That's okay. 13, 10, and 7. I am frantically marking mine down right now, so the one is my turn. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Take copious notes about the children you've spawned. Exactly. So I, um, 13, 10, and 7. Um, the seven-year-old wasn't as engaged. I, I didn't expect her to be, so she and I were kind of playing together. Um, but the 10-year-old wiped the board with us. I'm not even kidding you. He, like, I ended up coming in second place, and I got 90 points out of, like, 100. I thought I was doing pretty good. He ended up getting 157 points. Like, wow. he, he crushed us. Like, he dominated us. He was literally the Rockefeller of... And, and Vanderbilt combined. Uh, so let me, just, let me just drop a hint for these games. There's games that are kind of good, but they've been translated into digital versions. I mm-hmm. have Ticket to Ride on my phone. I've got Settlers of Content on the Xbox. Yep. Let me just say, if you plow through several hundred permutations on an electronic device and play like a really fast version over a period of weeks... When you sit down and you play with other people that are unfamiliar with the game, you stomp the floor with them. I'm not saying that was your son <laughs> this time. Maybe maybe he found a version and just knew. And maybe he just us. knew. It's like it's not fun anymore because you see what everybody's doing wrong. Like I I, I did play Ticket the I have Ticket the Right on my phone and I played yeah. it with some friends. Um, and it was and, and Catan. Uh, I played Catan with a whole weird group of folks I never played Catan with, and because I played it so much, I knew how to be a jerk to everybody and still win the game. So, if you really want to have fun in in real space with your actual friends, play the Electrona ver- version, get in a lot of reps in the gym, and then crush, then and dominate. Then dominate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I really like that one. I I thought it, it was a great game for us. Um, the other the other games that we played, uh, this is more at our kind of between our seven and our ten year olds level. It's called Labyrinth. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever played that. It's like a tile game that you kind of like shift tiles. You have <laughs> one extra tile and you like shift it, and it kind of changes the map of the thing. You have to get to certain icons. It's kind of like a more complicated version of Candyland. Uh, which Candyland's the worst, by the way, but um, <laughs> this one, this one's a, a little that bit plays better. Itself. Yeah. So I had a, um, I had a, uh, <laughs> I had a wooden labyrinth uh, that was actually a pivot game with a little metal ball in it. Okay, oh, that's, what that's I a different it, game. Whereas your, yeah, that's. A, I had one of those too. I had one of those too when I was younger. No, so so this labyrinth game is a big grid it's probably like 10 by 10 tiles right and um there's some fixed tiles in it so basically row like two four six eight um two four six eight are like mm-hmm. uh clear right and then column two four six eight are clear as well and then there's tiles in between so that you basically you can shift an entire column or a row ah. with a tile Okay, and it has these little pathways um, in it, and the goal is to create a pathway to get to a picture on a card that you have. So I may have a picture of a princess, or a picture of a crown, or a picture of a skeleton, or something like that. And I have to get to that thing by shifting the tiles in my favor so that I can move Mm, through this kind of maze, 
right? And other people can go before you and totally wreck your plans, and you know what I mean? And they can shift your things off the board, and um, so um, it's it's the mechanics are ridiculously easy. You literally shift the tiles and then try to move your pawn to that thing. So my seven-year-old loves it a lot, um, uh, but she loves it because she likes to play with Daddy, and Daddy and Emily usually win. So gotcha. she thinks that she's really awesome <laughs> at it. <laughs> so so she likes it. But my 13-year-old hilariously is terrible at it. Like, she just doesn't have the foresight to think, okay, if I do this this turn, then in two turns I'll be able to get to my thing. Mm. You know? Um, she'll just be like, I'm stuck. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or I'm just going to sit here. There's a Disney <laughs> There's a Disney version. Should she want to get that one? You can be Donald <laughs> Duck. It'll be great. Yeah. She'll probably end up being goofy. <laughs> um and let's see the last one that we have been playing is um dominoes actually believe it or not we've got a set of you know 15s of dominoes Mm -hmm. we'll play mexican train have you guys ever played mexican train yeah so we started playing that with the kids and um they like that because again the mechanics aren't too complicated if you've got the tiles you got it if you don't you draw for one and the first one out wins you know so um we had a good we had a good time playing that so those are those are in the Smith household. Those are our f- um, favorite family games. Domino's that we've been is playing one that you know you always forget about that game, but that is a fun like if you're having an adult game night where people just come over and sit. It's just so cool because you oh, just yeah. sit there and chat and you just draw on tiles and it doesn't take a lot of thought. Just having a good time. We used to play that in college all the time, <clears throat> all the time. We would play. Like on Sunday afternoons, and we get to get like a couple girl apartments and a couple guy apartments, so you know, in one thing. And we would play the entire 15 mm. set because you mm-hmm. know how you have to start with the highest doubles number. We'd play from like 15 down to double, double lot, and um, just the whole game. And we'd add up scores and stuff like that. So Very it was cool. a, lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah, good times. Good times. So, yeah, those are the Smith uh, favorite family games that we're playing. I recommend if you've got some kids, uh, check it out. I am looking forward to, though, I've got a game of Small World. Um, I've got some other more kind of complicated board games that I'm looking forward to exploring with my kids as they get a little bit older. I'm going to have them try out Warcry soon, you know, because I I think the rules in that are a little easy. Um, to follow. Small World's Especially great. So much they can have uh, bivouacking <laughs> halflings in Small World. It's so great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's good times. I, I want to play Small World, um, and I think the older two may be ready now to try it out. We'll see. All right. Uh, let's I'm see. up. Uh, okay. Jason, so you're I up. have uh, I have a wife and six kids uh, and two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> And I uh, live in a townhouse. <laughs> and by the way, they're all his. They're all his kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They are. We've seen them. Good to We've know. seen your kids. They are yours. So my, yeah, my, my age range is uh, 17, 15, 12, 8, 6, 4. So it's quite a range. And that has created, until recently, it has created quite a challenge for playing anything that's a complex game that has lots of pieces on the table. Because you're, you're always going to have kids Do you pushing split? pieces all over. They're distracted. And I have a, yeah. I have a really 
One of the things that I always am working on is my patience. And uh, I really, <laughs> really lose my patience when people don't pay attention when it's their turn. I teach my kids, it's like, when it's your uh, turn, you roll the dice, you move, you grab your card, and you end your turn. <laughs> Dad got mad because I was on my I actually, I'm an electrical engineer by trade, and I actually at one point was almost motivated by the difficulty to play games with my family to create it, to create a wireless, a set of little tiny wireless uh, turn, turn buttoners that... No, no, that was that. Shockers. You know what? Yeah, that's phase exactly. two. Yeah, that no. was phase two. That was phase two. Yeah, I think I was gonna call it like, <laughs> like it's your, you know, Qbert squiggly turn, go already or something like that. I don't know, but they were basically little wireless buttons where you could push it, and when you finished your turn, you'd push the button, and it would immediately, it would send a signal to the device that was next, whose turn it was next, and if they didn't go within a certain time period, it would start to blink. <laughs> And then it didn't go in another time period. It would start to vibrate and just make everyone else at the table annoyed to force you to... Anyway, so I, this has been a constant struggle in our family is it's your turn, do your stuff, and move on so the next person can go. But anyways. What? You, know what the, you know what this reminds me of, Jason? When we were at a catacomb oh, and we're playing gosh, that um, Alien Frontiers. dice game. Alien Frontiers, and <laughs> we would be like ripping through our turns, and then there's always the dude next to me that was just like, "Oh, well, let's see." Well, uh, gosh, four, I haven't even thought about what I'm gonna do. And, uh... <laughs> oh, I got, I just, and and then he kept block, he kept blo like the game was over, like I was gonna win, right? And he kept blocking me to like keep it going, and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't want to play this game anymore. I did not want to see Justin get violent at a violent at a con. Oh my it gosh! I threw happen. I threw the dice. I actually threw the dice at one point, and I kind of felt bad. I felt really to bad about day. it. I was a little angry. I was so a little. So let me talk about the games that we do play. Yeah, we do have fun. But, so. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. So <laughs> we got war stories. We'll do a war right. stories episode. Worst Family games war we've stories. ever played. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, so but there's some standard ones we like to play. Sushi Go is a big... It's such an easy one. Grab a card, pass. Grab a card, pass. Slamp. I like Sushi Go. Let me tell you. I've got a thing about Sushi Go. First of all, any game where yep. you're playing with different people and they've been like petting a cat and you're allergic <laughs> to a cat can send you home very quickly. This literally happened to me at Watson's uh. house. I'm not joking. The other thing about Sushi Go is the IP. It's like, I just can't get into cooking sushi for people and arranging a <laughs> menu. If it was like sci-fi or dwarves making stones or, or, or soldiers shooting somebody, I'd be so down for it. We'd be playing it all the time. But I just I, I just can't fall in love with miso soup as as an IP thing. I'm very sorry. I'll shut up now. Those are my two. Those are my two. But I love the game. Boy, it's a like fun game. One, one item down my list here, and I've already hidden some trigger buttons. But uh, well, I'll tell you that we should have a, we should have an episode on uh, game mechanics that work, because one thing that's good about games like Sushi Go and another one is Seven Wonders. Are those are games where everyone plays their turns simultaneously. Any game that does oh, that, yeah, that is a, a positive mechanic in my mind because then you're not waiting. Everyone's involved the whole time you're at the table. Everybody's involved. Although you we know could Justin's still be waiting just, for that well, one guy. Which card am I gonna pick? Like, dude, just pull the trigger. <laughs> pull the trigger. <laughs> so, uh, 
Slamwich, Exploding Kittens. Uh, these are good ones. So we got a recent game we got for Christmas this last year. It's the zombie version of Selfish, uh, which is a really fun game. Uh, Selfish has a couple different skins on it. Um, uh, it's a, it's kind of a it's a game where you all have a character and you're drawing from a resource pile, but it's extremely simple. It's like when you draw the resource, it's just you get a card that's called resource, and that's it. And in order to advance to try to get, you, everybody starts at kind of like the ground level of a building, and you're trying to move literally shift push your card up the table towards another card that's called helicopter, and you have to spend a couple resources to move you know one grid unit up. And then the other players can do things to try to get you to slide back down. It's a fun, it's a fun game. I'd recommend it. You can play it really fast. It's like 15 huh. minutes to play around with like five people. Uh, really fun game. Um, and if you die in the game, nice. you become a zombie, and you try to make the other player zombie. So you're just always engaged in the game until it's over. I really, really like it. Yeah, another game cool. uh, that we play a lot as a family is Payday. Which it's actually an old game um, that came out back in the early days when like monopolies were hitting the hitting the streets. Yeah, we I enjoy it way more than Monopoly. I hate Monopoly. I don't know if we've talked about this in the show. I could go off for hours about the horrible mechanics the Monopoly game brought into our industry. But anyways, <laughs> Payday is like a fun version of Monopoly. And the fun thing about Payday. Um, is that the game ends when you want it to end. Unlike Monopoly, where it's like, you get so involved and so invested, you either hate the game and you're like, I'm out, and you find a way to get out of the game, or you get so invested, it's like you can't stop playing until you find out who actually is going to win. With Payday, it's like, every, time, every round, everyone moves through a calendar. Literally 31-day calendar as you roll the dice to move through the calendar. You can stop playing anytime you want you can say all right we've gone through three months we've gone through the calendar three times let's just stop and see how many how much money everybody has or you can say well, let's go for a couple more let's go for a couple more months if we're having fun you can just go and you can stop there's no like real real into the game i it's a fun game and it's very nice. simple and it's one of those where like depending on what where you land in the month if you land for example if you land on the lottery um, every player can decide they also want to play the lottery with you. So it's just, it's another one of those where like there are mechanics that allow people to play simultaneously. That is so important when it comes to family games, in my opinion. So what you're telling me is that... You gotta get the retro one yeah. where everybody's wearing <laughs> bell bottoms and like freaky <laughs> patterns. Well, so, check, it so out, check it out. I think we have What you're actually. telling me, Jason, is it's it's not a game designed to cause you to gleefully uh, cause the financial demise of other players. <laughs> like Monopoly. Yes. I guess. <laughs> you know, like there's something there's something a little sadistic like when someone lands on your boardwalk and you're like, you owe me two thousand dollars. Yeah. Or or you could give me that railroad. <laughs> You right. can give me all your railroads. Oh, anyways. Uh, that's a fun one. Another one that I like to play with the older kids is Gloom. Uh, and those who have played Gloom know it's a really cool game because the cards are transparent. They're little little uh, plastic cards are transparent. And when you play the game, you're, you start the game with a family. and So it it's, has a family-themed game. You know, Everyone across the table has a family. And so you've got like three or you got like four or five individual cards that you have in front of you, 
And then as you play the game, your goal your goal is to create the most horrific, untimely demise for the members of your family while cheering up and making the your opponent's family happy so that they stay alive. And these cards are transparent, which means you'll get a card that says, you know, like, um, we have the Cthulhu version. So you'll get a card that says, you know, like, uh, uh, read, read, a, you know, read a horrific entry in a diary you found buried under the stairs. And it'll give you, like, a minus one to your happiness. And so you'll lay that card over top of your family member. And you can still see the family member, but then there'll be, like, a little icon in the corner that says negative five. Well, then another player can say... Uh, you know, had a picnic with your, you know, best friend and she told you that she really loved you and, and that put on top and it would block out your minus five and put like a plus three. So, you know, you, so yeah, so you're trying to make your family feel upset and to kind of basically kill the members of your family. And then the other players can play cards on top of your cards that block out the negative points you put on yours to make them positive. And it's a very themed game. It's very... Uh, it's very fun. I've played it with adults. I've played it with kids. Um, we have the, like I said, we have the Cthulhu version of the game. I could go on and on. There's lots of games I don't like to play with my family because they're too complex. But uh, maybe that'll be yeah. another episode. The unfri- unfriendly yeah, family go. favorites. <laughs> the unfriendly family. I love complex games, games which. <laughs> Makes it a little difficult for me. All of the games in my closet are, you know, the very, very strategic and tactical thinking, and they just don't work well with little kids. Later, later in life, in life. Right. Yep. later in life, they'll discover they will discover that you were a treasure <laughs> treasure trove of fascinating games. They'll go, "Wow, Dad was so cool when we were little." So, um, all right, Dan, what you got? We have, I know you guys are hating on Monopoly, but we have a version of Monopoly Junior or Monopoly Kids, which is pretty fun, where you're going around and selling um, ticket booths next to different uh, theme park mm, rides. And it is a total gateway drug for real Monopoly. It's a total gateway, I'm not going to lie. But uh, it's one of the games, I only put down on the list games we actually, that three or four of us can play and actually have fun and go, wow, we played a game and then go do something else. Um, and so it's the least painful form of Monopoly I've ever played in my life. And it's you still feel like you're playing Monopoly because you're buying stuff. But instead of buying property and then building house, you just put your little ticket booths down on the different areas. And it's good. It's good. And um, it's good to get the kids involved with a little bit of math, doing a little bit of numbers and moving money around. It's good. Um we play pie phase. We we went through a pie phase thing. I don't know if you oh yeah, are that's is that the this. one with the mechanical arm? This is a game that involves whipped cream and a, a mechanical arm that hits you in the face with whip with whipped cream. My wife loves these types of games. Um, <laughs> uh, there's no strategy to it. You spin the spinner and you click the knob that many times. It's Russian roulette, essentially. It's Russian roulette. And everybody wants to get hit, but you don't want to get hit. But you want to get hit, but you don't want to get hit. Listen, I saw a YouTube video of this game. It was high stakes, all grown adults. I mean, it's like adults and their grown children. Dog poop on it. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, high stakes. 
No so bueno. you would click it, and it'd be like, one, two, three, and it's like, it didn't go! And they're like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. Dude, you know? <laughs> not, not, not in my house, that's all I have to say. But, uh, you know, the gamer inside of me keeps wanting to take the pie face mechanic thing apart and figure out its randomization thing. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, I keep counting, and I'm trying to, like, reverse engineer pie face to make sure I never get hit or always get hit. So anyway, long story short, I've not disassembled my pie face uh, to, uh, game yet. But if I get bored enough during COVID-19, I might. Um, Flex is a great card game. I've played it quite a bit with my spouse. Um, it's a really great, and there's there's 50 skins for Flux. There's Star Trek Flux. I have Monty Python Holy Grail Flux which is great. My wife doesn't get it. She's, never, she's not into that movie, but it's fantastic. Um, uh, but Flux is, is fun, and it's a great... That's another gateway game to get people into more complicated games because you're like, okay, you need to pay attention to the rules every turn, and you have to be thinking three or four um, uh, you know, turns ahead to, to accommodate a win condition that, can, that you can devise in your hand based on how you can control the rules to, to work in your favor. So um, I, Flux has stuck around and has gone out in many iterations for uh, a good reason because the bones are, are really well designed. And, and you know, I've never even heard of that game. i got to check it out. It's good. It's good. You can play it with couples. You can play it with with kids that are just a little bit on the older side. I wouldn't play it with my with my seven year old. Uh, the game that we four out of five of us can play for hours when our remotes are not crapping out on us is definitely Minecraft. Um, there's something about um, creative mode for our family where everybody can go off and build cool things, and it's just like giant Legos. And everybody yeah. knows about Minecraft. Who's calling in? But I now, just, you said four out of five, and I'm assuming it's your wife that uh, no. isn't yeah. proficient, right? Well, fortunately, we only have four controllers, so we would <laughs> we don't know if a fifth one would ever... We could play all five of us. But four of us have played independently on four corners of the screen and had a good time and walked away and went, wow, that was fun. But, you know, my kids are spread out, much like, uh, you know, Justin's kids are spread out age-wise. So, um, you know, finding something that at least the majority of us can really enjoy that's not Candyland is uh, is really, really good. We play Minecraft in survival mode. Survival yeah. mode only. I basically told my kids, I'm not a creative mode guy. Like, I, I kind of get a little too bored. I like the idea of, like, creating my own civilization without having everything given to me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, the threat of monsters, so create defenses if you can, you know, and map everything out yeah I, I really like that aspect and i've gotten the kids on board with me including emily the youngest usually she stays near my side and i give her a building project to do and she's totally content and i go mine her materials and bring them back and let her keep building and uh you know so if it makes her feel like she's in creative mode um and then the other two the older two they usually go off on their own plans and and we we end it with you know Hey, let's do more tomorrow, and that's always a positive thing, right? When you're like, "Hey, let's let's work on this more another time." Um, My kids that's, that's uh, kind play of a, win. a lot of Minecraft together, and they do a lot of cross-platform play. That's it's one game that's really succeeded at that. So I'll look around, I'll walk around my house one evening, and I'll see kids on the computers, I'll see other kids on their phones, uh, all playing on the same server, regardless of what device they're using. 
Yep. And yeah, also uh, cool. on the, the PlayStation 4 also can be cross-compatible. Of course, in order to do that with the PlayStation 4, you have to pay for the online membership. But So most of the time, they jump on the PlayStation, right. they'll do they'll just do the four quadrants of the screen. Otherwise, they get on the computers and the, and the phones and play together. Now, and the advantage of that is you get yeah. your whole screen yep. to yourself. So that's why that's why they like doing it. I think it goes to the brilliance of the design. Here's a game with horrible graphics from 2011 where people customize it to suit their needs because it's a different experience for everybody. Some people like to go and get mods. Some people like to go on public servers. There's all kinds of ways to enjoy this game. I mean, if you, if you look at a game which is just really well designed and is still fun a decade after it's released as a video game and still has the millions of mm-hmm. monthly active users, and not to mention all the YouTube videos and all the Mashima that's come out from Minecraft, it's oh yeah, it's it's just really well designed and well thought out and um uh, and and um, I I I can't knock it. I can't knock it one bit. It's just it's it's just a good experience all around, and it's on every freaking mm-hmm. platform for goodness' yeah, sake. It's insane. It's insane, and and really usable. I mean, I've played it on my phone before with my kids, and I was rocking and rolling because it's not graphic intense, and you know you're able to do it. So it's a fun one for sure. Now I will say that my wife has played it with us, and. Uh, you know things kind of got a little dicey when the seven-year-old was calling mom a noob. <laughs> Don't do that. That's yeah. what not to do. <laughs> like, mom, you're such a noob. You're such a noob. That's when you lean over and say, oh, careful, dude. you want to sleep next door. That's harsh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, I think I think my quote was, mom's not a noob, she's just yeah. new. She has finesse. <laughs> she's taking her time. <laughs> yeah yeah and and my and my wife's response to it was i i was really good at pac-man back in the day like oh dear oh, not helping not that helping but you're not you're not you're not helping your case at all yeah now with the family games like my wife is really good about it including a lot of the kids and getting them all together and making sure they're having a good time. So I do enjoy that aspect. I think she enjoys the um, social aspect for the family, being around the table all together, versus us all sitting on a couch kind of talking about what's going on on the TV, you know. Um, So, you know, I think that uh, there's definitely a lot of space for family gaming. I think especially as we're, uh, I don't know about the rest of the country, but... In Virginia, we're told to stay in our houses until June 10th now. So um, there's going to be a lot more family gaming as things <laughs> mm-hmm. continue on, you know. So um, I think you know if we can find more of those friendly games to, to work out, that's a way to sort of stave off the cabin fever that all of us are yeah. just now starting to, I think, feel a little bit more. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, I think that's about it for the show today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, go ahead and uh, like and subscribe to our uh, podcast here. And uh, if you would, just uh, give us a shout-out on Facebook. We've got the page up now. And um, look us up, uh, Tabletop and Beyond. Go ahead and like the page. Leave us a comment. Um, we'd love to hear what you guys are interested in talking about uh, or what you'd like us to talk about. So um, feel free to give us some feedback. We'd, we'd love to kind of incorporate some of what you guys are thinking into what we're doing as well. So 
Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody.